everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. Jeffrey Lunnan. And this is Volume Up by the Tees. Jeffrey, I've got some tea for the teas today. Okay. okay. All right. Let's do it. You know, let's go. So we're coming full circle with my love, hate, slash love, maybe for the mullets. Bring it on. I am driving to school on Monday. My mm-hmm. youngest likes to stare in front of the mirror. Every piece must be okay. Mm-hmm. There's yep, no yep, stocking sure. cap going on. Shamelessly, my mom highlights his hair. Yep, we do. It's, it's- Stunning though. It's like the most natural. It looks, you know, which is the dream. That's what you want. Exactly. Just like a little bit of lightness. Yep. Yep. If I'm not going to have girls, if I was not set out to have girls, I shall make sure the men are well-groomed. That their craft is, you know what? (laughs) Yep. So the youngest says, mom, I have to get a haircut and I want a mullet. Yes. (laughs) Wow. My oldest continue. My oldest goes, you can't. It's not long enough in the back. So I guess you could say that I'm training them well. They are connoisseurs of hair. And that is all I have to say about that. The mullet may enter my household. I'll keep you posted. Wow. And I thought here I was thinking it would be (laughs) me first, but it's going to be you. And I, I love that journey. That is something... You know, look at us. Look at us. Look, look at, at us that. evolve. Woo! Um, <laughs> he told me he wants. I think he just wants the the mohawk all the way back. Like I don't know mm. if he's going to have the patience to get the actual lettuce of the of the mullet. So I see. Well, I'll keep you, know, you posted. I was going to say we are going to be waiting with bated breath. We've got to figure this <laughs> out for for the youngest Ellers. Yes. Wow, that's mm-hmm. a big deal. Okay, all right. I well, I never saw it. I never thought I'd see the day. Hmm. But here all we right. are. Here we are. Here we are. All right, let's dig in. So on last week's episode, I talked with Tanuja Singitham and Cedric Parsikla, the teams co-leading the launch of Salonary, the new destination for beauty pros to shop online across the entire Hinkle beauty care professional line. So it was quite the interview. I love seeing the innovation in our industry. Congrats to Tanuja and Cedric and the entire team over at Hinkle. If you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure that you subscribe, rate and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees and send in questions to my friend Jeffrey at volumeupatthetees.com. Do it. This week, I spoke with Pepper Pastor. Pepper holds a dual Bachelor of Arts in Art History and Psychology from Towson University in Maryland, also my alma mater. We'll get oh. into that. That's right. That's where I got my master's. Uh, And she holds a master's of art in organizational psychology from William James College. She's currently a doctoral candidate of neuroscience in leadership psychology at William James College, on top of 25 years in the beauty industry as a global platform artist and celebrity hairstylist. She brings a fresh perspective to the term therapist with hair, you know, come on, like therapist. Yeah, Uh I love me a good play on words. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, and helps to break down the special relationship that hairdressers have with their clients. Uh, we talk about it all. So buckle up before we get there. Something that's trending. Kelly, talk to me a little bit about this bad boy. Yeah. So I know that you are a big fan. We're all a big fan <laughs> of Jen Atkins over at the way hair mm-hmm. care and hell to the. Yeah. 
Our girl sold the company to PNG. I saw on her Instagram, I want to say it was like literally early last week that she had, because I follow her, we all do, mm-hmm. um, written out, you know, he, it took me six years to get to some of these goals. Some of them were checked off and there was one that was blurred out and it was like more to come. And I was like, what's she up to? And she was up to selling her business. So kudos to her. We love that. Uh, and a women's wear daily <laughs> exclusive. So no big deal, Jen, super casual. No, no that's huge, huge news. Uh, and she's going to retain her role as chief creative officer, which like Thank we'd expect you. nothing less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, PNG, for retaining her. <laughs> big things from way. Can't wait to see. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that are happening all over the web, there's plenty happening on the tease.com. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week, just like last week, just like the week that follows, uncovering industry news, diving into the brands that you don't know but should. And here are some of our favorite headlines from the tease.com from this week. First up, editorial hairstylist Amy Farid talks career beginnings, indigenous representation, and her hopes for a more inclusive hair industry. Amy Farid is living proof that with an undeniable passion, determination, and hard work, even your wildest dreams can become a reality. Once upon a time, she was a small town Osage Indian girl from Wichita, Kansas with a love of fashion and hair who spent her high school days creating DIY photo shoots with her best friend. Now Farid has become a creative force in both fashion and beauty thanks to her work as a top editorial hairstylist, even snagging lead hairstylist gigs at New York Fashion Week for the likes of Hood by Air and Chromat. Amy's story is so, so inspiring. Is there anything that especially resonated with you, Kelly? So her beginning is one for the record books, the storybooks, the movies. I mean, she moved to New York City, got on a Greyhound bus, set out to pursue her dream of being an editorial hairstylist. And she started apprenticing at Bumble and Bumble and got discovered by Michael Gordon. And, you know, I love that she talks about in the story a little bit more about how, you know, she would source looks and be inspired in middle school looking through magazines in the nineties. And do you remember sassy magazine, Jeff? I don't want to, I don't want to date myself. It's a little bit before my time, (laughs) obviously because of the internet, I'm familiar with sassy and what it was about. So I get the reference. I mean, she references that obviously Mm -hmm. our Vogue's our Harper's Bazaar, um, but she particularly loved the guest jeans ads of the nineties, which they were amazing. So I just, she has so many cool, fun tidbits about herself, her background and what she set out to do. So congrats to her. I'll be watching to make sure to find out, to see where she goes next. For sure. And you guys should go to the tease.com, read that interview. Such a fascinating person and incredibly, incredibly talented. We'd love to see it. Next up, some news. Darling makes its official U.S. debut with Tayana Taylor as its brand ambassador. If you're someone who regularly stays up to date on the hottest hair brands coming out of Africa, you might have heard of Darling. You might not have, though. And that's the whole point of this article, right? The cult favorite brand is owned by black hair care giant Godrej North America and is considered by many to be Africa's number one hair extension brand. Despite their popularity, Darling's textured hair extensions haven't been readily available to American consumers until now. They've come into the U.S. in a big way and have announced Tayana Taylor as their brand ambassador. Big news, especially for her. I mean, you know, kudos. Kudos. 
Uh, Kelly, my question for you. Are you a Tayana Taylor fan? Should I be? I don't know. That's a good... Truthfully, <laughs> the reason that I ask you is that she was kind of a thing. Like, she did... I think yeah. it was like a sweet 16 for MTV yes. way back when. She was going to have a singing career with Pharrell. It didn't really happen. Then she did an album with Kanye. I mean, mostly she's an internet personality. People love her for yeah. her looks. What are your thoughts? You know, I would say I'm probably not an active user and fan, or but I did check into Darling on Instagram, and I love, love their looks. I mean, braids, to faux locks, to ponytails. I mean, she's working with Darling to help push forward their mission of encouraging women to step into their power. And those looks are all power. So check out Darling on Instagram. But before you do, head to thetease.com. Oh, yeah. Also on thetease.com, the monthly edit. So this is a story in which our team lists all of the things that they bought and were obsessed with the month prior. So this is for November. Go check it out for a ton of different things. But Kelly... Of the things that were listed, the different products, the hair tools, the hair stuff, the beauty things, which would you consider maybe adding to cart? Right. So I feel like I've added this to cart, but maybe not in this scent before. I mean, it's the Hemp's Limited Edition Spun Sugar and Vanilla Bean Moisturizer. I feel like I've been using Hemp's for probably 20 years at least. Uh, and I'm tried and true. I'm kind of picky about my lotion. Can't mm-hmm. be too sticky. It's can't true. be too oily. And this is a perfect combination. So I love that our editors found this one. And then, you know, just from a brand perspective, I love Olive and June. I love what they do. I love their branding. I don't do at-home manicures because I feel like I'm not talented enough to do to stay in the lines. <sighs> Mm-hmm. But they do have some tips and tricks and even tools to help you stay in the line. So check out Olive and June if you haven't yet. For sure. Check out those items and the rest of the editor's picks on the monthly edit from the tees on the tees.com. And really perfect for gift guides. I mean, come on. Yes. Like this is tis the season to be gifting. Take a look at that. You might get inspired. Uh, all the power to you. As always, so much happening on the tees.com. Next up, my conversation with Pepper Pastor. Cannot wait for you guys to hear this one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Volume Up podcast. I am joined today by Pepper Pastor. Pepper, how's it going? I am great. How are you, Jeffrey? (laughs) Doing so well. Um, As I said, it's a little bit cold and rainy here, which is unusual, um, but I'm not going to let that affect us. You've got a beautiful background. It's hot and sunny in Austin, and, and we're going to use that energy for this conference. Yeah, you can live vicariously through uh, by my very hot and humid Texas day in amazing. October. <laughs> yeah, we won't think about that. Um, amazing. Well, Pepper, we would love to hear about you from you. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us a bit about yourself. How did you get started in the beauty industry? You know, that's always like a funny question for uh-huh, me as, uh-huh. as far as how to get started because I never meant to be in the beauty industry. I never wanted that's to be what I like to hear. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did you think you would somebody, be then? A dancer. I was a ballet dancer and I really thought I would, uh, you know, go down that path. But I think that when you're a kid, you don't really think beyond 25, you know, because mm-hmm. then it's like anybody beyond that is probably like a grandparent or something. <laughs> At that age, for sure. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Being a dancer until you're 25. That's about right. (laughs) Um, 
No, but I, I, uh, I never intended to. And I actually started doing hair when I was 16 years old. So it was pretty mm-hmm. exciting. And, you know, because it, it wasn't intentional and it never felt like it was my, my path or my purpose, it wasn't a stressful industry for me. Right. So things, you know, came naturally and one thing then, you know, snowballed, you know, to the next thing. And it was always just this great flow. So, you know, ended up having a career that I'm so grateful that it never, I never felt like I worked a day. So I always laugh when I hear that, that kind of an analogy or whatever that, you know, mm-hmm. that people share about finding a job that you love. So how did you fall in love with hair then? I mean, again, thought that you would be a dancer potentially. You started hair at 16. How did that come about? Let's see. So I was a dancer at 16 and my mom mm-hmm. told me, you know, you need to have a summer job. Um, and back then I, I used to do a lot of modeling just because I had really long hair. And so the uh, salons in my area always wanted to use my hair for updos to do pictures. Cause back then, you know, a salon had a big photo album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the front of the salon and you, you'd, you'd swipe through the photo album, right? Or you oh. might have, um, they might have invested in some passion books. They were those large books and that just had hair, hair do's in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so they said, oh, you want to be a shampoo girl? And my mom was really pressing me, hey, you, know, do you need to get a job for this, this summer. Your, your toe shoes and these things for dance are really expensive. So yeah. And that's what happened. And then um, I know to, you know, to the audience, Jeffrey and I were both laughing because we were both um, alumni of Towson University in Maryland. And, um, and that's kind of what ended up happening was I tried to move out of the salon industry, ended up, you know, going and getting a, an undergraduate in um, art history and, and psychology and working in, in the field of psychology, um, trying to get out of hair. And I will never forget, oh my gosh, Jeffrey, uh, within my first first semester of freshman year, Christmas comes, uh, you know, the holidays, I was broke, <laughs> had, um, you know, credit card debt for the first time because, you know, mm-hmm. the, the freshman year that all the credit card companies come yep. to these, Target. you know, new yep. college kids, mm-hmm. right? Gotta buy those books, gotta do oh stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah, so totally broke. And I then was like, oh my goodness, well, I'm, I gotta get a job. And I started working at a salon in the mall and you will be familiar because it was bubbles. It was part of the Ratner corporation wow. and Ratner. Yes. And Ratner. I love Anne and, and Sharon. So, um, you know, ran bubbles and she was a very, very dear friend. She and I actually met when she just graduated beauty school. We started at the same time together. Um, and now I love, I love this because anybody that, that knows, you know, the, the, is it, was it the hair cuttery that uh, her ex-husband had owned? And I think, Ratner, I think, I think it was the hair so. cuttery, we'll right? To, so, yeah. Yeah. So then Anne, Anne owned Bubbles and, and uh, you know, another, another uh, salon chain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had this opportunity uh, that Sebastian International was looking for platform artists. Okay. And I'm 19 years old, you know, don't, don't know much of anything. Um, think I do. <laughs> think I know a lot. And so long story, yeah, right. Long story short, I ended up getting this job as a platform artist um, for Sebastian International. And yeah, here I was in college, I'd be on the airplane, they, you know, back then the budgets were huge, you know, in education. So they would fly me back and forth to LA. And it was very, very, I mean, it was like late nineties. This is a really, really exciting time to be here. That was the rock star generation where they'd have these huge over budget hair shows. When you were on a hair team, they'd give you your scissors, you name it, um, your blow dryers, everything. Yeah. So then I started liking it. (laughs) 
Yeah. I guess the glamour was what the, you know, I need, I needed the, the attraction of the sparkly things. <laughs> well, while you're doing the sparkly, you are also doing the academic. Um, and this Correct. is really the sort of interesting part of your career, which we're going to dive into, which is that you never stopped sort of pursuing the academic pursuits. Uh, so how did you get into organizational psychology? Because hair oh, and that do not necessarily meet. Right. No, that that's, yeah, that's a good um, insight to that. So uh, I was, I was working within clinical psychology and I did, you know, I did, I had a double major. So I did research um, in art history and, mm-hmm. um, and I did, I, I worked for some inpatient uh, psychiatric units. I worked with kids and I did mm-hmm. art therapy with, with children and it was heartbreaking. It was really difficult, heavy work. And I never wanted to do that work ever. No, thank you. Um, And at the time, you know, when you're, when you're in that role um, as a student, you were a clinical psychologist, you worked in a school system and, or you became a professor. I think those were your three choices. So I never knew about the role that I have now. Um, So fast forward, I have a, you know, great career, you know, get to travel the world, work for, work for manufacturers, built content, develop teams, um, you know, internationally. And, and so what happened was is through those years, I realized my skill set was not in hair, right? Because I never actually liked the, the, yeah, it was creative. It was really fun. I was good at being creative. Great. Um, but I realized I developed people. And what I realized mm. was, oh, I'm in mm. talent management. <laughs> you know, there was never a name on I'm in talent management. I, I love, um, um, so there, there was like the, the love of that coupled with you know, and I, you know, I say this was a lot of love, but I worked for a lot of different manufacturers and a lot of, you know, within high level, um, and companies and, you know, and I know a lot of hairdressers can relate to this in the sense of when, when you connect with the beauty industry, there's this wonderful level of freedom, right? You, you kind of get to mold and shape your career and whatever that looks like sure. uh, for the most part. And I could never see myself working the, you know, this typical nine to five job within a corporate structure. And then couple that with the fact that all of the corporations that I work for, I would never want the job. I would never want to work there and be corporate for a lot of these companies, right? So I will tell you, I learned a lot, you know, whether, you know, when I was a salon owner in New York City to... Mm-hmm you know, different stages in my career, I've learned a lot from what not to do, right? There's the power of what not to do. And I think that's what it was, was like, I became fascinated with organizational uh, structures and the psychology uh, within an organization. And, and, you know, if, if I'm going to kind of define the term of, of what is an organizational psychologist, because I, I do now have a master's in organizational psychology, working on my doctorate, um, and when people say, what the heck is that? <laughs> what does that mean? Um, you know, essentially what an organizational psychologist is doing is we're evaluating people's work lives, right? There's a, there's a very well-known organizational psychologist has a great podcast named Adam Grant and his whole tagline is, you know, he, he makes work not suck, right? So an organizational psychologist is brought in to kind of not only measure an organizational structure and like, oh gosh, should we, you know, improve how we onboard a new client? Should we, you know, improve our bonus structure? An organizational psychologist will, will oversee those areas, but the biggest part is the why. It's all about 
developing the people and giving people happy, healthy places to work. Mm. Well, we love that. I mean, isn't that what we all want anyway? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but once you break it down like that, it's crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so talking to us a little bit about sort of your interest in psychology and, and hair, how it does come together is in this phenomenon um, of therapy. So uh, our pro audience is going to know that, you know, oftentimes they're in a position where they're giving out advice, feels a little bit like a therapy session. We would love to understand from your perspective, sort of what that was like when you sort of felt like you were becoming a therapist, as it were. Good, bad, what are your sort of words of wisdom or advice for folks that are um, increasingly finding that this is a big part of their, their work? Um, this, is a, this is a really big topic, right? Because there's this natural inclination around it, you know, in, in the sense that this is a high touch field. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, one of the very few fields that you are authorized to, to touch another human being. Um, and what I think is most unique about it is that you are authorized to do this, but at the same time, you have um, this goal <laughs> and, you know, and the goal is, out, is, is outside of that. It's, it's, it's doing a, a specific particular service. So it has different levels to it. Right. And then mm-hmm. the, the, the third level on that is the, is the connection and the communication that you're having with the client, not only to um, communicate to achieve the goal together of what's happening to the hair, but then of communicating um, through a relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, and I, I know a lot of hairdressers have kind of shared this little crux of like, everybody tells us all this heavy crap, you know, what wh- you- when I'm trying to do like a precision Bob, like what mm-hmm. the <laughs> like oh my god you know like auto mechanics don't have to deal with that you're not like putting in an engine and and like the owner of the car is chatting you up you know it's such a weird thing um but you know I I have to share with you there's been there has been some studies and some um around this topic in previous years so I believe Mm -hmm. I was just I was just referencing so there was a book written in the early, early, I was like, I actually looked, so it was 2013 that he wrote it. His name is Dr. Lou, and he is actually a psychologist, if anybody has heard this. And he wrote a book called Psychosmetologist. Did you ever hear of that book? No, but keep going. This is fascinating. And we're going to yeah. show link all of this. It's going to be in the notes for everybody. Oh, cool. Okay. So he had written a book called Psychosmetologist, and I, I got to meet, I meet him years ago when I was, you know, doing something in a hair show and he gave me his book and, you know, it was, it was one of those that I was like, Oh, cool. Didn't read it at the time. And then when I was getting my master's, I was moving stuff and from, you know, organizing my books and, and found it and read it again or read it, you know, for the first time. And, um, it's really unique because Dr. Lou was tying in, you know, all these components about, you know, the elements of touching people. And I'm going to share with you all as well, some recent research that that's come out um, around touch and and building trust. Um, But there is a responsibility there. And it's not something that is widely talked about. It's something that I definitely ruminate on time and time again, is that there really is no HR in the beauty industry. And it is a very big concern. And for salon owners listening, um, there's so many other industries of small businesses, right? Whether you run a landscaping company, um, you know, whatever, you know, whatever other type of small business, right? They outsource their HR. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's so many companies out there that can be very affordable that they can do the hiring for you. They can um, do the interviews, onboarding process, whatever that looks like that, that is right for your company and for your budget. Um, even if a managerial issue comes up, you can outsource that. Okay. Yep. So what that looks like and why that's important. And, and I'm going to circle back to the, the psychology of the, the connection between the stylist and the client. Um, but I do want to emphasize the, the significance around that because we're developing this culture, right? And so in developing the culture, there's, there's a fear that I have in this. There is no HR. And when there is no HR, what that means is the stylists that work within the, or the company, mm-hmm. they don't have a level of safety and security they need to be their, and I'm going to be a Brene Brown quoter, but to be their true and authentic self. Absolutely. They don't have it. Why don't they have it? I'm going to give you, I, I love them dearly. I worked for two wonderful salon owners um, over, over the years um, that they were, they, you know, they were their husband partner owning the salon, which is very common in any type of small business where you might have the partners um, in and out of the work life, you know, owning the business. Um, but when you have a problem, <laughs> Within the, the salon, whether it's, you know, with, with an, a fellow stylist, something that happened with a client, it is too close to home. It is too sensitive. Now, unless that salon owner or manager is getting training to be able to do that, right, it, it, it is very, very close. So whether, and, you know, people, when they think of HR, they think of, um, okay, there were, there were the ones that do, um, you know, hiring, firing, the documentation for state, that sort of thing, right? But then there's the umbrella around talent management, around, you know, organizational design, that sort of thing, right? And other companies outside of the beauty industry, they're like, whatever, common. I mean, this is like a joke to them because it is a common practice, absolutely common practice. Um, but it's not in the beauty industry. So when, when you're not able to share with somebody, hey, that really, hurt, you know, upset me or hurt me, and for them to hear it, in a way that is not personal to them, right? They're able to do something about it. They're able to support you with, you know, whether you need to have a growth moment or they can help you strategize of how you can resolve that situation, right? That doesn't happen a lot of the times in the salon. You get more, more behaviors around retaliation. And then it starts to create very toxic behaviors within the salon dynamic. And I see this time and time again, and it's not just salons. I work with a lot of small businesses that it, it's not just us, right? It's the same structure. So you need to be able to outsource things that you are either not comfortable with or you're not good at. Okay. So when we, when we circle back to the relationship between the stylist and the client, if there are things that you are not comfortable with and you are not good at, not, this is outside of the technical, but in terms of your competencies, um, of your own traits and your behaviors, these are amazing areas of growth and development for you. And so to circle back Dr. Lou's book, whether he knew it or not, <laughs> his book is, is sharing a little bit about emotional intelligence. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can, t- you know, we can talk today and I can share with more Jeffrey, um, about what emotional intelligence looks like in the beauty industry. I'm doing significant amount of research right now, measuring um, emotional intelligence and hairstylists that are more emotionally intelligent and whether they have higher retention rates, right? And so we're seeing huge benefits that, um, you know, with social media, 
people are getting really, really good and skilled at social media, right? They're, yeah. I mean, crazy, right? Crazy yeah. outcomes of how successful people are getting on social media. But that is your window, okay? Mm-hmm. That's your first appointment. Now, when I look at success rates of hairdressers that are killing it on social media, getting tons of new appointments, and I look at the retention rate, there is a huge gap, huge, huge gap, right? Because the development isn't there to keep this long-term client, right? And there is a little little window of like, well, it could be a client too. You know, it could be a client that sure. likes to pop around. Yeah. Yep. Um, but there, there is a little question mark there of like, it, is there more of a focus and an emphasis on the show, right? And the marketing part than the real meat and the connection that the stylist has with the client. So, I mean, I, I think all in all kind of what we're looking at here that's a turning point. And this, this I'm just kind of coming off the top of my head, but there's a real turning point in the connection. Mm. Um, not only cut from coming out of a, a, of a pandemic, right. Where people were away and, you know, it's, it's funny cause you know, I'm sure a lot of hairstylists that were able to work as long as they, you know, were through this, um, you know, we're hearing so many things and so many, um, research, uh, coming up about, the, the developmental issues, psychological developmental issues coming because people were not around other people. Yep. Um, I have, yeah, right. Like I have, I have We've clients that, totally, yeah. So I have clients that come to me. They're like, oh my gosh, Pepper, this is the first time I've, you know, was out of that. You know, like you're the first person I'm really talking to outside yep. of my family. Yep. And or oh my god, I'm getting my hair done because I'm going for drinks with friends, and that like I don't know what I'm gonna say or what. Like it's awkward. Right. So there's this awkward moment and we didn't go through that. So what happened was, is people valued the connection that they, you know, they had with their hairdresser and really was like, oh, oh, wow. You know, this role is more significant than, than we had realized. So how can then hairstylists sort of beef up that emotional IQ? Um, What are steps that they could take? I mean, you're right. Like we're in a totally new world. Things are super awkward, like social anxiety is amped way up, but the connection, as you said, is so important. Um, what are things that individuals can sort of take on? Or, or maybe to your point, when you're talking about salon owners, um, are there things that they could do that might help their staff to, to be more comfortable behind the chair as we're sort of experiencing this new dynamic with clients? Yes. So that that's great because, uh, you know, emotional intelligence, I'm sure, you know, mindfulness, these, these are hot topics right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I really want to clarify for everybody exactly if we're going to define emotional intelligence and understand um, its capacity to help us is emotional intelligence. You know, I'm going to, I'm kind of define this. I don't have the, the, the definition yeah, yeah. right in front of me, um, but it is one's ability to be able to understand their own emotions within themselves in the moment as well as emotions within someone else, right? So uh, a self-awareness as well as an other awareness. So, mm-hmm. hey, you know, they, they look like they're having a little bit of anxiety here, right? And it's, it's not to be responsible for or to own it or, you know, whatever that is, just to recognize, okay? And lastly, it is the relationship between the other, so another person's emotions and your own and what that relationship looks like. And I want to give you a visual for this, right? Because this is something that 
you know, we all struggle with, but commonly hairstylists struggle with a lot. And why? Because most people that are hairstylists, um, I, I heard a friend on a podcast saying, you know, you can ask any hairstyles why they got started. None of them will say, oh, because I wanted to get really rich, right? I forget who I had heard that from recently, but they're all going to say, I, you know, I liked my, I wanted to be creative. I love people. I love making people happy. I wanted some freedom, right? They're going to say these things. So these intrinsic values and traits that they have. Now in that it's dangerous, right? Because a lot of hairdressers are empaths. They take on the emotions of others. And so that's, you know, we're looking at like wellness things of, you know, how salons can support their stylist about not kind of being abused, you know, by only the, the culture, but also by the clients, right? You know, you don't want to be home at night looking at your schedule for the next day and seeing three clients on the book that are just going to drag you into a hole, right? So it's, it's being able to create healthy boundaries there. <laughs> um, and so one of the first things that I can share with you to create a healthy boundary like that is to give you a visual to understand what that, that interaction with yourself and an other means. And so what that is, is just because you have the skills to recognize that somebody else is having a feeling, this came out of a, of a researcher um, in Belgium, and because people look at this other cultures look at this differently than we do in the, in America. Okay. We see a, a, an emotion or an interaction between ourselves and another. I'm, I'm mad at this person. So if you visualize this anger as let's say it's a red cloud between you and another person, right? You visualize that anger inside of you, inside of them and connecting you and them, right? I want to be a bit like you're connected, right? That is not actually true, <laughs> right? So I want to reframe the mm -hmm. visual is that the anger is a red cloud that is in the sky between you, the two of you. It does not actually mm -hmm. live or exist in you and it does not live or exist in the other person. It is just an in the moment feeling that you are having. It does not own you. It does not you know, make you do things. So it helps people to understand what, okay, I'm feeling this. How can I be accountable? And the more that you, you, you know, you feel something, acknowledge it and realize, okay, this is in the moment, like 10 minutes from now, I might not feel angry two weeks from now. I won't, re you know, this won't bother me two years from now. I won't remember. Okay. So don't hold something in your body or connect it with another that it, it's just not tangible, right? It's not something that's actually tangible. So hopefully with hairdressers, that gives them a little bit of a visual. And so when I share this and I share, you know, to go back to the definition of emotional intelligence, it is a tool that we can not only, you know, we can use to understand this relationship that within ourselves to say, okay, I'm feeling this, you know, what do I need to do next with it? Right. So not to be so reactive and to have better relationships and, and stronger boundaries. I am the last thing I'll share with you. And I'm like, it's just me talking. So no, sorry, this is Jeffrey. fascinating. No, no, no. Um, but I want to share with you because, you know, the emotional intelligence is very popular. If you were going to go in and Google it, you're going to get mm -hmm. lots of oh, books and resources. Yeah. And, yeah, lots of things out there. So I, I want to give you a little bit more deeper understanding. Emotional intelligence is actually something you are measured in. Okay. Um, I use an assessment. Mm -hmm. It measures 26 different traits. So it is not a personality test. I want to clarify that with people. And, and sometimes there's a, a misconstruction of that. It is a behavioral test. 
and there's a behavioral test set that a person can take, they will get their own individual assessment number of like, okay, you know, some of the 20 of the 26 competencies, um, you know, that you might rank high on creativity and innovation. You may, you know, be, be lower in building trust, right? So see, some of, these are some of the, the traits and competencies um, of emotional intelligence, right? So you're measured on these things and then you can have your own individual understanding of what your abilities are you know, what is your emotional intelligence or your mm-hmm. EQ, right? Your EQ versus your IQ, your intellectual intelligence. And then that will help you strategize how you can develop. So salon owners, this is something that salon owners, it, it's available to, okay. And I'm not to pitch myself, but if you connect Let's with me. Let's pitch. I, no, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> like, what this is about. What are we talking right? about? Absolutely. Um, so I do the assessment and I, mm-hmm. the assessment includes um, like a 15 minute debrief, right? And mm-hmm. you can, you can do further development, you know, if, if you see fit, um, and you get your own, you know, a, you know, your own EQ. So you know what that is, you know what your strengths are, you know what your learning edges are. Um, and then for, you know, salons that are, you know, maybe, you know, or salon owner, these are really, really valuable, especially for the salon owner is that we can run 360 reports. Mm. So not only does a salon owner, for example, take the emotional intelligence test, learn what their emotional intelligence is, we give that report to the entire staff, to as many people as they want, mm. and everyone evaluates their the emotional intelligence of that owner. And so you mm. get all of this data saying, okay, well, you think that you're this, but, but 70% are saying <laughs> that you're this. So there are massive learning opportunities mm. for growth. Um, and the last thing that I will share about this is what makes me so excited about this work because this is just one nuance of the different types of uh, models and assessments and platforms that, that we might use to, to develop, that I might use to develop an organization or a person. But what's fantastic about this is, as I mentioned earlier, um, it's measuring your behavior. Okay. And so what I love about behavior, what I love about emotions is that they change. They mm-hmm. could be different, right? So you don't have to take it to heart. It's something that's okay to change. And I know change can be uncomfortable for a lot of us, but no one's trying to change you, who you are and what your personality is, is that your core self is not going to change, but you can change behaviors that exist, you know, with outside you, if you want to look at it that way, um, that can just emphasize and make you the greatest you. And that's the point. We love that. So talk to us a little bit about um, number one, where people could access these items. So what is the website that they can go to, to consult with you, to contract you for your services? Let's plug that first. So right now, and hopefully by the time this airs, everything mm-hmm. will be up and running, but you, they can just contact me directly on Instagram and Perfect. my Instagram handle is just pepper pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So feel free. I know it's odd to there, but just contact me through there, but you know, hopefully in the next week or so there will be a link um, on my website that's already there that kind of will devise the, the hairstylist me and sure. then the me that does this type of work. And they'll have, mm-hmm. they'll have a little kind of info page about how this can be helpful and you and useful in their, in their business or their self. Amazing. Well, I mean, it couldn't be easier Thanks, than Jeff. that. Everybody's yeah. already on Instagram. So yeah. you know, <laughs> let's make it happen. Uh, talk to us before we move on to our quick takes. Um, and we've really enjoyed this. I mean, you've broken down some really complex concepts in an abstract sense. Now it's, you know, we're able to mm. understand it. 
how can people actually use this information? So they've done the assessment, they have a greater understanding of their own self and perhaps their teammates, uh, their employees, if they're a salon owner, and sort of everybody's EQ, how it works mm-hmm. globally. Putting that information into practice to do something about it, to change the behaviors that you're saying are, are mutable. What, what does that look like? Um, what are sort of outcomes that you've seen um, that might be of interest to our audience uh, of stylists that are maybe thinking that they'd want to make this kind of change? Yeah, so it's going to look different for everybody. And, you know, even if you don't do this and you go, you know, and you pick up a book and read about emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence or or Google it, it will give you a better understanding. And so some of the outcomes are going to be something as simple as when you drive home from work at the end of the day of the salon, you might call your mom. (laughs) Okay. And I say that because there is a tendency as a hairstylist that you get in your car or you get on the subway and you leave the salon, you do not want to talk to an effing soul. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. At least for, for, yeah, you're yeah. like, and whoever you might yeah. live with, you're like, don't talk nope. to me. Not like, now. no, we're not. So yeah. something as simple as that, if you can increase your emotional intelligence, you can increase your energy at the end of your day, right? Because there will be ways that you can energetically retain some of that stuff for yourself when you're, un- you're understanding how um, these boundaries exist in others and not in yourself. So that's one simple way. Um, the other is very, very extremely valuable right now is the empathy. Right. And really understanding um, the way in which that we um, so there's there's I'm going to give you three. So two is the empathy and our way in which that we connect with another individual. And we can do that by, you know, having some great healthy boundaries, making them feel really comfortable, making them excited for their service and making them want to rebook you for that service before they leave, you know, from your chair that day. Right. And then lastly, you know, I mean, I think those two are really important, but lastly, I think one of the other important things is your interactions with your employees, your, your peers or your, your other stylists, as well as your clients of not letting your stress get to you, right? If someone's Mm -hmm. giving you a little bit of a rise, a little bit of a challenge, being able to be less reactive with those challenges. Hmm. We love that. Well, again, thank you so much for breaking these things down for us. Uh, As we said, go to Pepper pastor's instagram for more information uh and now we're going to move on to our quick takes as we sort of wrap things up here today um the quick takes are questions that we ask of all of our guests on the volume of podcast uh so try not to think about it for too long uh, and i think that you're probably going to enjoy this uh first question bar soap or body wash which is it body wash see <laughs> people are going back and forth um which is why we ask genuinely we're interested here um, what are you streaming? Uh, so you've talked a lot about reading and things that you're up to. I mean, you're in a Hulu. PhD program. Oh, okay. What on yeah, Hulu? I, Anything particular? So I say, yeah. So that, um, the new show with, uh, Selena Gomez. Oh, Selena wow. Gomez. Yeah. The murders, murders in the building. Yeah. Yep, murders yep, yep, in the yep, building. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lovely show. Okay. All right. All about that. Um, what is, because we are product junkies here. Um, what is one product beyond sort of self- help, wellness that we're talking about previously uh, that you can't live without. So we're talking hair, skin, face, beauty, you name it. Like an actual, like the name an of actual the actual CPG. Product. Yeah, if you could, yeah, something that you are obsessed with day in, day out that you love. There is a rose water moisturizer I am using by Fresh and it is fabulous. And it's just like its own little experience in a bottle. Ah. Uh. 
Oh, what a, I mean, what a pitch. Right. A bottle. We're all about that. Uh, okay. So you've given a ton of advice, but this is sort of streamlined. We are looking for advice for those who want to make it to the top of our industry. <laughs> As you're asking a psychologist and a researcher uh-huh, about uh-huh, this. So uh-huh, uh-huh. My first thing is that I'm going to say, what does the top mean? <laughs> That's it. I mean, that is an important question to ask. Um, all seriousness, but, yes. but pretending that there is a top that you could get to, um, what might people sort of do that could help them to sort of become their best selves there to get to their own top? So there is something called SMART goals, right? Finding goals that are specific, measurable, actionable. Um, re- I forget the R and the I, I, my, the R and the T just went out my went out my mind. But essentially, what I'm saying is is when you know where you want to be, you can go backwards, you can go forwards, however that looks. Identify markers of what you need to do to get there what that looks like along the way, congratulate yourself as you're achieving those, those, you know, ground points and keep striving for the bigger goal. So have a bigger goal, break it down into areas, you know, okay, I'm going to go work for this type of salon for five years. I, I want to get X, Y, and Z out of the experience because my goal is then, you know, going to be on a salon at the same time. I'm also going to go and get a certification in business management. So I have these tools to have to move to this greater goal of mine. You know, my, it might look like that. Um, yeah. Be strategic. My, my advice is if you want to be the top 100%, be strategic, know what you need to do to get there and be really clear on it and don't stop. We love that. Last question before we wrap here. You've talked a lot about sort of varied experiences, uh, having some folks in the manufacturing side that you had worked with, um, Dr. Liu that you had name dropped, for example. Who are movers and shakers that you think that our audience ought to be aware of? Um, So obviously yourself, but then maybe two or three other folks that are doing really interesting things, whether in the salon professional industry or outside of it, uh, that they should walk away knowing. Okay. I'm going to be a nerd in this because I think you guys had asked me this, like who, you know, who your influencers are. (laughs) um, I am really obsessed with a professor of Claremont University. His name is Dr. Zach. He is who I kind of referred to earlier, but I didn't get to, you know, I didn't get to share about. He's doing work on trust. And so he's measuring um, trust in organizations and companies and measuring oxytocin oxytocin, which is the chemical in our body that's released so that we, you know, are more empathetic and more, um, more connected to individuals. His work is absolutely incredible and so, so significant in the beauty industry that we're touching people. Um, and then the other one is a professor that, um, her name is Dr. Coonley. And she wrote a book called The Mr. Rogers Effect. And I am obsessed with Mr. Rogers and everything that he can share with any, you know, anyone in the world on how to respect and value our neighbor. And the more that you can do that, you know, the more that you can do, you know, for yourself, if you kind of, you know, working in a different direction there. Um, but the book is really beautiful and incredible and, and so relatable. Pepper, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for walking through all of this with us. Um, Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure and we want to have you come back. So don't be a stranger. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. And I would would love to come back. (laughs) Amazing. All right. 
All right, so you talked alma mater. Nice commonality, nice common ground. I mean, it's like, and, what, what, is the, what are the odds? It's a teeny right? tiny state school in Maryland, but you yeah. know, here we are. And the, the therapist, I really love that. I know it's a joking term, but she breaks down, again, that relationship between the hairdresser and the client, which is so important, which is why we love our hairdressers and why we love this industry. For sure. And also the relationship as employer of hairstylists, like we got into so much. I feel like we could have talked to Pepper forever. And we really strongly hope that she comes back on the Volume Up podcast because she's got so much to talk about. Uh, You know, an area expert. We love that. We love that you guys enjoyed it. Enjoyed it so much that you hit subscribe, (laughs) rate, interview, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode. 